game. I wanna slam fools on the mat. Wanna suplex cats, give them belly to bats. Rock bottom, tombstone, and a sunset flip. So I need you to teach me that. No way. I wanna slam fools on the mat. Hear the crowd go wild when I win the strap. Boom, soft, sharpshooter, and a F5-2. So I need you to teach me that. Name something drier than the AEW's women's, women's division. Um, oh, that's easy. Uh, Ric Flair. Ooh. Ooh. Ooh, I was going to say Sunny, but ooh, that one's good too. <laughs> no more Sunny Earl, days. Earl Hulk Hogan, he looks like a piece of beef jerky. <laughs> oh my goodness, welcome to the Natural Disasters of Wrestling Podcast. I am Matt. I'm Don. Happy New Year, everybody. I hope we hope you enjoyed your holidays, whatever they may be, whether it be Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Ramadan, and all of them. Festivus, um, the Ferrison Day. Uh, we hope you're safe. We hope you're well. We have a lot of stuff to cover. Um, the last show we did was about a day or two after the passing of uh, John Huber, Rodeley, Luke Harper, whatever you know him as. Keeper boy number two. Um, so we have a lot to cover. Um, let's go ahead and just get into it. Last week we uh, saw AEW's tribute show to Brody Lee, which is being heralded as one of the greatest tribute shows ever. I cried so much during that show. Like it's, it was like it was a completely emotional. Uh, let's go ahead and run down what happened a bit. Uh, we had Colt Cabana teaming with the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson versus Hardy Party, Matt Hardy, Isaiah Cassidy, and Mark Quinn. Uh, Bucks and Cabana went over, uh, or won, sorry. Um, it was actually a really good tag. It was a real, and it, it lasted a while. Um, they didn't take a, they didn't take their first commercial break until almost like a half an hour in. So the the tag team match got pretty long, um, pretty long segment. It did. Uh, they claimed tried to come into the ring and tried to spell the party, but SCU came in and uh, stopped them. Uh, during the night, we had Chris Jericho on commentary with uh, Shivani, uh, Excalibur, and JR. Um, after that match, we had The Butcher and the Blade and Eddie Kingston versus the Dark Order, Evil Uno, and Stu Grayson, and Lance Archer. Lance Archer came in dressed as uh, Luke Harper. Yeah. Uh, you know, he looked really good. Uh, he, he did. It was a nice tribute as well. His shirt was too clean, though. Yeah. But, I mean, (laughs) you you got to imagine he probably bought that shirt, like, that same day. I mean, from what I understand, uh, Harper did the same thing, but he would, you know, work work out in that shirt, which is how it got so dirty and sweaty and stuff like that. But I don't know. It didn't have that Brody touch, but it was a nice tribute. It was a really nice tribute. Uh, Dark Order and Lance Archer uh, beat... Beat... You know, Eddie's family with a fatality from the Dark Order on Pepper Parks. Uh, we, then we had Hangman, Adam Page, and, and the Beaver Boys, which is uh, Alex Reynolds and John Silver, uh, versus the Inner Circle, Max uh, MJF, and Santana and Ortiz. Um, this was the most um, uh, emotional part of the whole show. Uh, obviously, if you if you are viewers of BTE, um, Alex Reynolds and John Silver are some of the main staples of the Dark Order on BTE, and especially since uh, John Silver was uh, the ire of 
of Brody Lee's. Lee's wrath, as it were. And it's cute because now, you know, you see, I mean, you kind of saw it, you know, watching BT, but, you know, just hearing everybody else say it, you know, uh, Brody Lee had a special eye for Silver. Uh, so him and Silver kind of had a really close relationship and, you know, that mentor-mentee relationship and John Silver really, you know, really took that to heart. Um, he really had a, good. He got to wear the matching uh, Brody Lee had you know, made had paid up like a thousand or two thousand dollars. I can't remember the exact number amount to yeah. have uh, John Silver have a matching outfit. He bought him and, a jacket. He bought him a jacket yeah. so that way it was matching. And I think, I think he also bought the singlet too, right? Yeah, he did. So they were supposed to wear that on either BTE or for an AEW Dynamite, but then you know that obviously didn't get to happen. The so Silver wasn't yeah, like, that. It was so. It was such a nice tribute to see him wear that, and then um, the whole match in general. You had, I mean, we could run down the match all we want, but like it was, there was nice spots. You know, MJF, MJF got into the face of uh, Negative One, which is Brody Lee's Brody Lee Jr. He's Negative and, One uh, because he is the most important. He becomes he comes before all numbers. Yeah. And then the most surprising part was when um, uh, Wardlow came in and tried to interfere in the match, but out of nowhere comes Eric Redbeard. Yeah. Who was known as Eric Rowan in WWE, who was one half of the White family and the Bludgeon Brothers. And that's when the tears started flowing. I fucking cried like a baby. Like, I was so emotional when... You know, Eric came out to do the save. I was just like, oh, like I was so excited. And then after the match, um, you know, quick, quick, quick mess. You know, Silver got the pin because so if you thought anybody in the Dark Order wasn't going to be getting the the wins, like you know, you're sorely mistaken. Like it's a tribute show to their leader. Yeah. Um. And after Silver won the like got the pin, like he just folded. Yeah, I was like even now just thinking about it. Like I get teary. I'm getting teary just thinking about it because it was such, it was such an emotional. Yeah, Eric. Red, Eric, moment. Eric Redbeard came down with a sign saying, "You know, we'll see you down the road." You know, this, uh, this isn't goodbye. This is so long, brother, or something like that. It was beautiful. Yeah. Um, although, if you notice on commentary too. Um, Jericho, I guess, didn't know Eric's new name, so kept calling him yeah. Rowan. But Excalibur had to keep cutting in with Redbeard. Um, I thought that was funny. Um, funny. I'm sorry. It was good. For, goodbye for now, my brother. See you down the road. And everybody, everybody was crying. Oh yeah, everybody was crying. Uh, there wasn't like a dry, like there wasn't a dry eye in that ring, that arena, in my house. Uh, it was such an emotional moment. Uh, at the very end, you know, you had Hangman just kind of, he was holding, like he was holding Silver. Silver was like sobbing uncontrollably. Yeah, it's, um, it was a tough night for everybody, I'm sure. And, you know, you could really feel it through the television. Um, and again, like again, this is, we say, or people have said this is one of the best tribute shows because, um, you know, story, there was no storylines. 
Yeah. There are no continuing storylines. The storyline was the Dark Order lost their leader, and you know they wanted to wrestle to pay tribute. Um, yeah. And you know you could feel the emotion from everybody because it wasn't just you know these people in character; it was these people who are actual people letting out their emotions and grieving in the best way possible. It's not like in WWE where everything is still kept in kayfabe, you know, or you know where very few people get to break kayfabe. You know, to feel their emotions uh, for something like this. Uh, and we're not knocking WWE by any means, but we're just saying, like, you could feel the closeness and the and yeah. the the family of it all that, you know, AEW has. I'm just matched. We had Anna Jay and T- uh, Ty Conti versus uh, Britt Baker, DMD, and Penelope Ford. Obviously, yeah. Anna Jay and Ty Conti win. Um, yeah, Ty Conti, like, if you saw, like, her, she was very emotional coming into the ring. Uh, like, Like you, you could see in her face like the emotion. You could see in Anna J the emotion. Not in Ty Conti, not technically part of the Dark Order, but obviously her and Anna J are close friends, and I'm sure both of them spent a bunch of time around Brody Lee. So of yeah. course, you know, she was just gonna be just as emotional. One of the nice things I didn't know about was uh you know, Anna J's number is ninety-nine. Mm-hmm. And uh I didn't realize that you know he gave her that number because of Wayne Gretzky, because Wayne Gretzky was the greatest of all time. Yep, and so was Anna Jay. Yeah. Anna Jay's really <laughs> fucking, like, talented. She is. She is so talented. I feel she could be a main, uh, like, a main staple of their women's division within the next year. Maybe by this year. I mean, she has that moniker, the Queen Slayer, for a reason. Um, after that, we had our main event, which was Cody Rhodes, Orange Cassidy, and 10, Preston Vance versus Team Taz, Brian Cage, Absolute, Ricky Starks, and Powerhouse, Will Hobbs. Uh, this match was made specifically by uh, by Negative One to include his favorite wrestlers, which were Rhodes, Cassidy, and 10. Um, and it was, it was a good, it was a good um, six-man tag. Um, it, yeah, it was a really good six-man tag. Um who is 10, and, though? Uh, Princeton. Yeah, but, like, who is he? That was such... I wanted, like, okay, it's, like, obviously, negative 1 and 10 have a close relationship because how did 10 get in there? So, uh, I... So, one of the things is, uh, you know, Brody Lee Jr. has been kind of backstage at pretty much all the shows. Yeah. So, I think, you know, he just... Like that's that that learning hangout experience with everyone there. Yeah, so he just got uh, really close with Ten, like personally. Yeah. Like you're yeah. my favorite wrestler. Yeah, but that's a big rub for Ten. For... Yeah, it was a big rub. It was a big big rub for Ten. Um, and and especially Brody, seeing... sorry, go on. Brody Lee saw a lot in him, so that's why he got the position he's in. He got the position he's in, and he got the win for the team. Which I thought was very interesting, but obviously very, uh, very good for the Dark Order and something I'm sure Brody Lee would have been proud of. Uh, and this match happened early. I thought this was going to be a long match. I completely forgot or didn't think that they would have something else at the end. Um, but yeah, I thought, oh my god, this is going to be a half hour long match. Cody Rhodes comes down to the ring, maybe like, or stays in the ring after, and there's about like 15 minutes uh, left of the show, and he memorializes Brody Lee. 
Um, after this, uh, Brody Lee Jr. comes out. Negative One gets his dad's interest in music, and he's followed by his mom. Um, and, you know, he's carrying his boots to the ring. Tony Khan comes behind following them. And he and Negative One put Brody Lee's boots in the middle of the ring, therefore retiring Brody Lee and his boots. Uh, those boots will, boots will never be in a AEW ring again unless, you know, t- a negative one decides to get into the business. After this, uh, Tony Khan talks about Brody Lee as a, as a wrestler, as a person, as a father, and tells him, you know, that he was the greatest TNT champion ever and presents negative one with the TNT champion chip belt and he says he's tnt champion for life life um and just you know just in case you obviously if you haven't seen or you know you're still confused um the tnt championship itself isn't retired that version of the belt is retired now and that is yeah. the exact version normally when they present people with belts it's usually a replica that is the legit tnt belt that was held by cody um Brody lee and darby allen um and that again, that design will never be used again. That is retired. That is now negative ones. Um, Darby Allen is still the current reigning TNT champion, but a new design is in the works and hopefully will be debuted, if I hearing correctly, before February or by February at least. Correct. Um, so after that, um, they had a tribute video for um, for uh, for Brody Lee, and the song that you heard played was uh old 55 by tom waits and tony khan went on twitter later to say that he bought the rights to that song in perpetuity so that way that tribute can always live forever for Brody lee so if you ever see it recreated it's going to be with that music if you see a replay of it it's going to be with that music because tony khan now owns that music yeah that was amazing that he actually did that that's beautiful yeah um yeah i mean obviously you can't really rate a show like this but i mean i've heard very little people say very negative you know very very negative very few negative things about this show i haven't heard anything negative at all to you know the people i talk to in the wrestling community and you know even even wrestlers from wwe themselves you know congratulated AEW on that tribute show it's just goes to show like how you know powerful and impactful it was um, we were hearing from different sources that WWE waited for AEW to do their tribute uh, for Brody Lee before they did any sort of tribute on their own. They obviously did the opening graphic in memory of, in memoriam of John Huber, Luke Harper, but they waited until AEW had their show, you know, out of respect because that's where he, you know, he finished yes. his career, yeah. which is which is a good move because. You know, it, it, it would have felt disingenuous if they had, you know, stopped the show in WWE uh, for somebody that wasn't with their company for almost a year. Yeah. WWE has had their own, uh, has, has slowly put out their own tributes. Uh, there are multiple videos on their YouTube of many superstars uh, memorializing um, Luke Harper, Brody. John Huber, Brody Lee. Uh, you, you hear him called all, all these names. Big Brody is something that apparently a lot of the superstars in WWE knew him as. Uh, the one person, unfortunately, that we haven't really heard from, and then no, through no follow zone, is Bray Wyatt. Yep. 
Um, he's obviously went on Twitter to say stuff, but because of his character, I don't think they're allowing him to do anything in person for their videos, which is uh, which is disappointing. It is. Because this is a very humanizing moment. And I think, you know, it, it's cathartic for not only Bray Wyatt, but for us as well. But I agree. That's that on that. Um, of course, rest in peace, Brody. And there will be many more stories coming out of Brody Lee over the next fall well, forever. Um, do you want to go Japan? You want to go to Japan, or you want to stay here in the U.S. for a little bit? Uh, let's take a tour of Japan. All right. So obviously, uh, it is the fifth of January for us here in the states. It's pretty much almost the sixth, and and so the, over the past two days, uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling has had their uh, big event, Wrestle Kingdom 15. And this is the second year that it has been two nights. Um, we're going to go over the first night real quick. Um, we had a bunch of good matches. We had uh, Bad Luck Fale. Uh, we had the New Japan Rumble come back. I'm sorry, the New Japan Rambo. That was Rumble. It's a Rambo, apparently. Uh, we had that come back. Uh, and the it was for the uh, final four who's going to be competing for the 2021 uh, King of Pro Wrestling Championship. Uh, Bad Luck Fale, Bushi, Chase Owens, and Toro Yano were the final four. Uh, Hiromu Takahashi beat Al Phantasmo uh, to become number one contender for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. Uh, G.O.D., Tamatanga, and Tangaloa beat Suzuki Gun, Tachi, and Zack Sabre Jr. for the uh, IWGP Tag Team Championship. John Moxley is returning to New Japan. And if you forgot, he is still the current United States champion for IW, for New Japan. Yep. Uh, he came out to promote. Um, he's going to be facing the winner of the uh, right to challenge certificate between Kenta and uh, Shatsu Kojima. And Kenta went with that one, uh, won that one for, to go to sleep. Uh, he's had that contract for almost a year now. And he's still gunning for Moxley's championship. Uh, we had Hiroshi Tanahashi go over uh, Great Okan by pinfall. We had Kazuchika Okada beat Will Ospreay. And this was a highly, highly uh, watched match um, because of, well, because of the two people that are involved. Kazuchika Okada has uh, been claimed as one of the greatest r champions in wrestling. Wouldn't you agree? I agree. Uh, and Will Ospreay has made a name for himself for the past few years. He's a great high flyer. Um, he's, I, I don't know. I, would, would you consider his, his uh, how would you, uh, how would you classify his charisma? Slick? Uh, well, I don't know how I would describe his charisma because he's, he's one, Will Ospreay is one of those people who is kind of a once in a generation he, I don't know how he hasn't, you know, had a severe injury yet. Because, you know, he just seemingly always puts himself, like, through everything. And he's, he's just so charismatic. He's, I, he is definitely going to be the top person in the next four years. The things that this man is able to do... Yeah, the things that he's able to do is stuff that you'd think you'd only be able to see in movies. Yeah. Um, it's right up there next to where Ricochet should be. Uh, yeah. As far as, like, 
you know, overall, like, value. Yeah, Ricochet should be at the very top of the fucking... Like, if I had to pick three wrestlers right now who should be at the very top of the totem pole, mm. it's Ricochet, Keith Lee, and Will Ospreay. I agree with Keith Lee. I've become a big fan of Keith Lee over the past uh, year. So I totally but we'll talk about Keith Lee a little later, too, because... In our main event for, no, go on, sorry. No, go ahead. In our main event for night one, we had uh, Kota Ibushi beat Tetsuya Naito uh, to win the IWGP Heavyweight and Intercontinental Championship uh, Championships. Uh, Naito did the respectful thing and presented Ibushi with the belts and raised his hand. And then, of course, Switchblade JY and Guido come down to issue a challenge for the next night. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Coda, obviously now the new leader, um, bids the crowd a farewell and speaks like a champion. Um, it's great to see Coda in that role right now. Um, well, for that night at least. Night two, yeah. real quick, we had um, Toro Yanu beat Bad Luck Fale, Bushi, and Chase Owens for the KOPW 20, uh, two, 2021 championship. Uh, we had Suzuki Gun, El Desperado. And Yoshinobu Kanemura over one or eight, Master Wado and Taguchi. Uh, we had Shingo Takagi beat Jeff Cobb. I forgot Jeff Cobb fucking stayed in Japan. Yeah, I forgot that. I thought he signed with uh, AEW. I think that, well, I think he was supposed to, but I think, you know, obviously New Japan offered a better, a better deal. And I'm sure, I think Jeff Cobb wanted to kind of like, you know, float around. But obviously the pandemic stopped that. Um, in a uh, rivalry, rivalry that people are happy is basically over. Sonata beat Evil by pinfall. The whole Sonata Evil thing looks like it'll be done for now. Uh, we had Hiromu Takahashi beat uh, Tahiji Ishimori uh, to win the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship, and then we had Kota Ibushi beat Switchblade Jay White uh, to retain the IWGP Heavyweight and Intercontinental Championships. Uh, after, while Coda is uh, celebrating, Sonata comes out and congratulates Bushi and challenges for the uh, titles. Um, and Kota Bushi accepts. So at some point down the line, we're going to see Kota Bushi versus Sonata. And Sonata is somebody that's had a lot of um, have has had a lot of support by fans for like years. I think during the whole Ally J period of Evil and Sonata, I think everybody saw right next to Naito and right next to uh, Takahashi. Uh, I mean, right next to Naito and Takahashi, Sonata was right there. More him than Evil, which is fair because I don't really see Evil mm-hmm. as as a power as a force to be reckoned with. I see Sonata more than anyone. So that was definitely a force. Um, after this, um, they have obviously their post-show uh, conference. Uh, Kodobushi wants to unify the heavyweight and intercontinental championships. Um, and this has brought up a lot of um, this has been brought up in a lot of debates because you know last year we had a lot of double champions, or the year before we had a lot of double champions. And a lot of those championship belts have uh, have been split up 
except for the IWGP Heavyweight and Intercontinental Championships. And, you know, especially with these two belts, you know, they've always been defended together. They've never been defended separately. Correct. And Kota is not the first person that wants to unify him. What do you feel about that? Go for it. I mean, you have... Sorry. You, I mean, I say go for it. How many other belts, single belts, does New Japan have? Uh, I think they have close to 10. Oh, wait, singles belt? Yeah. yeah. Let's see, they have these two. They have the Junior Heavyweight Championship. They have the... Is the Never Open Week tag or single? Is that singles too? I think it's uh, singles as well. Okay, so the Never Open Weight, the United States, and uh, the King of Pro Wrestling, so six. So they have six singles titles belts. That's a lot of belts. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's going to be interesting. I don't know. Like, I, I wish... I think the Intercontinental Championship has become... It, it, at least in New Japan, it's become a little bit more prestigious. That It feels right to keep it as its own entity. Because, oh, excuse me, obviously they have, you know, their whole G1 to determine a number one contender. But, you know, the Intercontinental Champion is is somebody that usually is on the rise, you know, or somebody that, you know, would be going after the heavyweight championship more because they've already had the Intercontinental title. So I don't know. I have mixed feelings about this. I like the idea that they might unify it, but I want, I like the idea of it just being separate. You drop like the never open or title or something. Um, but that's that's uh that's New Japan. Uh, what do you got? I have a lot more, but what do you have? No, keep keep going because I don't want to talk about Raw, but we'll get to that eventually. Um, in uh in our domestic news, as of yesterday, Ring of Honor has parted ways with Marty Scroll. Yes, yes. Um, this comes off of heels. Well, not off heels. Um, you know, he was part of the Speaking Up movement back in June of 2020. God, that was in June? Uh, Fucking hell. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we knew Ring of Honor said that they would investigate into it. Their investigation didn't find any wrongdoing. But they still decided to part ways. Well, to be fair, he commented three different times, and all of them sounded really shitty. In one post, he even he even alluded to his actions being legal. Um, well, it might be legal in the court of uh, of what is it? Society, social. Social commentary, whatever the fuck. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, he's already been canceled, unfortunately. Well, fortunately, I guess. Um, unfortunate for his career. Fortunate for everybody else. Um, and they did it very nonchalantly. If you had scrolled past it, you wouldn't have seen it. It literally is just a, a gray square that says Marty Sproul and Ring of Honor have mutually decided to part ways. Um, and there's a bunch of reasons why, um, or a bunch of reasons being speculated as to why this happened now. Um, the possibility of, you know, an investigation lasting way too long or having to honor at least some portion of his contract. Um, 
there are a lot of things that we don't know just yet and we might not know for a while um but you know marty scroll was actually trying to turn uh, ring of honor around and he kind of was a little bit villain enterprises was a really big stable or a really popular stable for him and for uh, ring of honor that brought a lot of eyes back to the promotion when the elite left um and uh, if i if i remember correctly if i being if i read correctly the last thing that he did that's really actually brought them around especially during this pandemic was the the reintroduction of the peer tournament was his uh was his idea that they went with um but apparently that is the last thing of marty scroll that you will see in ring of honor uh where do you think he goes from here um well if you're big daddy dave he's assuming that uh big daddy dave Meltzer, he's assuming that or he's predicting that he's gonna go to wwe um and one of the things is when you know a lot of reasons why he says this is uh, in order for him to keep his visa, he has to have a job to stay here. Mm-hmm. Uh, he currently owns his own home, so you know he's going to be forced out of his house basically if he doesn't find another job here. Yeah, but why WWE though? Uh, WWE he's been on their radar since 2019, and they've kind of really wanted. They really want him. Well, if they'll take Tessa Blanchard, and I guess they'll take him. Meltzer mm-hmm. um, also yeah. said going to you know AEW would be difficult for Scroll because of the backlash they would get. The backlash they would get for AEW, of course. The the Bucks would. I mean, anybody in AEW right now wouldn't want to touch any of these people with a ten foot pole. Um, but WWE has no um, problem with that because they still have Velveteen Dream. They still, um, they still have Velveteen Dream and Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, hopefully, you know, things get better for Ring of Honor sooner than later. Um, four years in our in Ring of Honor brought down with, um, some stupid decision-making. Unfortunate. Um, if you have a villain club shirt, do it with it, what you will. Um, so let's cover Raw a little bit. So, yeah, yes, it's Legends Night, and the feeling's right. Oh, yes, it's Legends Night. Oh, what a night. No? It's just, I I can, I hear the saltines in in that singing. (laughs) I hear the crispy in your voice. Anyways, so I'm not going to go over too much of the matches. I just kind of want to speak about Legends Night in general because mm-hmm. it's fucking stupid. Um, you know, you, you opened up with Hulk Hogan showing off the uh, Hulk phone. The Hulkster. Sorry, not the Hulk phone, the Hulkster phone because you can't say Hulk phone because you yeah. get sued by Marvel. Um. You know, Hulk Hogan, I I still don't have that good feeling about Hulk Hogan. Like, he's uh, he's very grimy in my eyes. You must have this much melanin to date my daughter. Yeah, he's super fucking grimy. Uh, 
the other issue I have is, you know, there was no real kind of storyline with the legends. Like they're just there to be there. Yeah. It's just a parade. It's just the boost ratings. Um, it's, yeah. it's a nostalgia grab. Yeah. And like, so the storylines throughout the night, you know, the storyline throughout the night, uh, Randy Orton was going around insulting legends here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the final match of the night. Oh, also, I have issues with. So you had uh, you had Bobby Lashley versus Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle won with a roll up, which is it's fucking Matt Riddle. Like they should, this should be, uh, this should feel like an MMA style fight. It's Matt Riddle and Bobby Lashley. Why aren't they doing MMA shit? Yeah. Um, and then the final match of the night, you had Keith Lee. Oh, you had uh, also. So you know Matt Riddle's character is just being a dumbass. Like mm-hmm. I, I hate that because you know he's such a, like he's such a fun dude. And then Keith Lee like barely gets to speak anything, and he's a very well articulated man. Yeah. Um, the final match of the night was uh, Drew McIntyre versus Keith Lee for the WWE Championship. You mm-hmm. had all the legends kind of sitting on top of the stage, which just looks stupid. Uh, the match itself, up until the very end, was fantastic. Fucking Keith Lee did a Spanish fly, a Spanish fly off the top rope. Like, it was a thing of beauty. Yeah. Fucking, uh, he jumped over Drew McIntyre at one point in the middle of the ring. Like, that's insane. Insane. Mm-hmm. Insane. Like, Keith Lee, you know, in the match, like, he looked like a star, but then he lost, like, he lost to a Claymore kick to, you know. Yeah. He, 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 had like, a good, he had a good showing. He looked phenomenal. He got to show off the stuff that he used to do, some of it mm-hmm. at least. But, yeah. you know, obviously, it's not his time for whatever reason. Yeah, but, like, if you're going to do Keith Lee lost, don't have him lose clean. Like... Why not do some? I mean, because I feel like it makes him look weaker. I would have rather had DQ shenanigans than like the clean loss. No, I I get what you mean. I get what you mean. I get. Like, I feel like that kind of, you know, hurts his character a bit. Um, but the, the caveat was, uh, so, you know, Drew McIntyre celebrating in the ring. And then, you know, boom, boom, boom. Oh, God. Boom, 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 boom. Gilbert. Um, he comes out. He starts talking shit to Drew McIntyre, saying, "You know, Drew McIntyre doesn't care about any of these legends." I'm like, "Think you, think you hit your head a little too, too hard there, uh, Bill." Like, There's I a limousine outside. You want to go punch it? Yeah, 
I think you're thinking of Randy Orton. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, challenges, he challenges Drew McIntyre to a fight, pushes Drew McIntyre to the ground, and then the show ends because apparently they went over, you know, they didn't prepare enough time for, for the show. Can you believe it? The show that does rewrites basically almost every week didn't have enough time. Yeah. They didn't plan accordingly. Oh my goodness. Um, but even Mustafa Ali, like, you know, he, so this is Mustafa Ali. He said, you know, you have people like Jugu, like Akira Tozawa, myself, Retribution, uh, you know, you know, you can't put us on a three-hour show, but you have time for legends. Yeah. Yeah, it was dumb. Um, I gotta say, dude, though, I gotta disagree with you on the whole Keith Lee thing. You do? Yeah, I mean. What's the one thing that a lot of wrestling fans always complain about championship matches that are on TV? What's one of the major things that comes up? I I don't know. Tell me. Why do the screwy finish? Like, if you see a championship match on on television for free, like, you know, okay, like, they're always, you always anticipate the screwy finish and you always anticipate the champion retaining. But, like, I under, and I understand what you're getting at as far as Keith Lee. Like, Keith mm-hmm. Lee is a powerhouse. Keith Lee is a powerhouse, and, you know, he's, he is a force to be reckoned with. He's very athletic, and he has a lot going for him. But remember, we're putting over the babyface champion, which is Drew McIntyre. You know, we're, we're saying that Keith Lee is just, quote-unquote, below what McIntyre can do but he can still do a lot, you know, and it doesn't really undermine um, what Keith Lee's abilities are. And even then, like, you don't even have to say that Keith Lee is beneath Drew McIntyre. You could just say Drew McIntyre got the better of him that night because he, you know, Keith Lee did one hell of a performance. He, He had one hell of a match, but just that night, it just, you know, the champion had the incentive of keeping his title. That's fair. There were stakes. Yeah. That's the one thing where a lot of people are always complaining about is that there are no stakes. On this match, there were there was a huge stake, something at stake, a huge thing to be at stake. And you know, Keith Lee fought hard and fought like he wanted it. But Drew McIntyre just wanted it that much more. Um yeah, I like I again I understand where you're coming from. I'd probably say the same thing if it was somebody that I loved as much as you love Keith Lee, but I, I, yeah. I really do. I really do love my Keith Lee. Um, another fun thing, or weird, weird or fun, I don't know how you would classify this, that came out of Legends Night last night. Um, there was a segment where uh, Angel Garza uh, was trying was trying to woo all the women, yeah, and all the legends. Um, one of the people that he was trying to uh, uh, slide into the quote-unquote DMs of was Tori Wilson. Yeah. Before I go any further, I didn't realize how tall Tori Wilson was. She's tall. 
seeing her stand next to Nikki Cross, like, just made me realize how tall she fucking is. Um, but, you know, Angel Garza is trying to, uh, you know, schmooze Tori Wilson over, but Tori goes, oh, like, in that room over there are some, uh, some celebrities that are waiting for you, and she name drops uh, Kylie Jenner, Ariana Grande, and Cardi B. Yeah. And, of course, who's in the room? Not Kylie Jenner or Ariana Grande or Cardi B. Um, R-Truth, Boogeyman, and Ron Simmons are in the room, and R-Truth attacks Garza and wins back his 24-7 attack, whatever. Um, off of this, a bunch of people started uh, mentioning, DMing, tweeting, tagging Cardi B in these uh, in their tweets, telling her that she's been mentioned on WWE. And she even says, wait, what's going on? People keep tagging me in WWE stuff. And then she says, okay, no more WWE tweets. I haven't watched in years. I was just confused on the WWE tweets. Before this last thing I heard, uh, it was about a sexy wrestling in Carmella. But you don't have a thing for Carmella, huh? No, I don't. Fuck, I do. Um, but a bunch of people started uh, kind of, you know, kept going. Uh, somebody asked her about Sasha Banks. She said she likes Sasha. Uh, somebody asked about The Rock. And she, uh, Cardi B had said that she started watching after The Rock was on, but she remembers watching Booker T, Eddie Guerrero, Triple H, Batista, Cena, Edge, Melina, Trish Stratus, um, Lita. And uh, she gets some retweets from Trish Stratus and Melina, mm-hmm. um, which ignites the fangirl in her. Um, somebody actually retweets the part of the segment where she was mentioned, mentioned. And she retweets it and says, this is not how my WWE debut was supposed to be. Vince McMahon, count your fucking days. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, people are having fun with it. She seems to be having fun with it. Um, mm. And, and then, plus... yeah, somebody fucked it up for WWE or might have fucked it up for WWE. Because this, this, this could go either really good or really bad. Um... Lacey Evans decided to get in on uh, on the clout train. Uh, on one of the tweets that Cardi B had uh, had tweeted out, I think the last one I had said about her debut, um, Lacey yeah. Evans retweeted it and said, careful what you wish for, you nasty. We aren't Nicki Minaj. You'll get sent home with more than a busted eye. Yeah, and then it was a uh, tag Lacey Evans, karaoke's champion. Uh, What's up? Yeah, and she, Cardi B, you know, Cardi B said, you know, she came in with, Lacey Evans came in with unnecessary bullshit. Yeah, uh, well, okay, so obviously, since, you know, we know what Lacey Evans is all about. If you don't know what Lacey Evans is all about, Lacey Evans' character is basically like a Southern Belle. And you know, she's this, this strong white woman, and she has that, um, what the fuck is that picture, or that lady, the one with the, you can do it, or we can do it? Yeah, I know which one I'm talking about, I can't think of it. Yeah, you know exactly what I'm talking about, yeah, yeah. She has that as her profile picture, but, you know, Cardi doesn't know who this person is, and yeah. Lacey Evans went straight, straight kayfabe to yeah. Cardi, and she was no, she wasn't mentioned at all. Like, Lacey yeah. just invited herself into this party. Um, 
And so just with those words and just kind of just very like, just a quick glance at her profile. Yeah, Cardi B took offense to that. Uh, yeah. And she said, a white woman can't never put fear on me, sweetie. Got me fucked up. I was showing love to WWE the whole night yesterday. I don't know where the fuck you came from with your unnecessary bullshit. Yeah. Um, you could say that she got worked. But is it really a work if the person isn't in on it? Uh, no. No, it's not. Like, I... There's, there's there's a whole bunch of debates still going on Twitter about Lacey Evans and I've I, I don't like the care I've never liked the character. I hate this character so much. Like I don't like not only like not only the kid like the woman herself, like I don't give a shit about the woman herself, like who plays the character, but just this character, I don't find it interesting. I find it very boring and just the undertones that come with it are very bad. Yeah. I agree. But, but with that being know, said, sorry, go on. She's blonde, so she's blonde, so she'll always be okay with this. Basically. Um, but with that being said, I I, I kind of want to see Cardi B bitch slap her. I do, I do, really, really. I want to see Cardi B slap a taste out of her fucking mouth. All right. Do we have anything else? Um. Let's see. Um, which wrestler's ass would you like to eat more? No, I'm kidding. Um, no, I, I mean that, that was a lot, but um, we have saying. we have New Year's Rush coming up. <laughs> um, a New Year's Evil, New Year's Rush. Um, New Japan coming back New- to TV on the in the US and the UK, but we yep. just don't know where yet. Uh, gonna be a fun week. It's gonna be a fun, fun week for wrestling. Are you a Bad Bunny fan? No, but uh, I know he's a wrestling well, for, fan. Yeah, he's a big wrestling fan. And for uh, for those who are Bad Bunny fans, um, Booker T is in his latest music video. I'll check it out. As GI Bro. No, GI Bro. All right. GI Bro. All right. I gotta check it out. But uh, I think that's about it. Um. Where can we find Donald, you? Donald, where can they find you at? How? Oh, I beat you to the punch. Fucker. <laughs> you can find me at TNDW Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Also, E-L-D-O-N-B-R-U-J-O. That's L Don Brujo on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I'm at TNDW Podcast as well on Facebook and Twitter, and I am pending 257 on Twitter as well. Please come at me with your hate and your Bitcoin two fifty six and your cheese bread recipes. Um yes. Send me uh, all of your cheese bread recipes. Yes. Uh <laughs> just like Cardi B ever being on WWE programming, would you call this a show? <laughs> this is a fucking disaster.